0: Hey guys, this is Justin. In this episode of Excess Returns, Jack and I discuss some of the characteristics of momentum investing. From what momentum is, to ways that it can be measured, to how momentum shifts over time. When investors use momentum as a selection factor, there can be big changes in the composition of what is held in the portfolio as leadership in the market changes. This past year presents a good opportunity to discuss this. Using some of our proprietary data and Jack's programming skills, we show how often Fang stocks would have been in the top momentum decile going back to 09. You might be surprised about this. And we show just how much stocks based on certain factors like value and low volatility have decreased or increased in momentum over the past year as always thank you for listening we hope you enjoy this discussion on the changing nature of momentum investing okay today we're going to talk about momentum and momentum investing and why momentum can sometimes be hard to pin down I think um, there's a tendency for investors to want to, when they think of these factors, whether it's value, momentum, or maybe quality or um, low volatility, you know, to sort of put certain types of stocks into those categories as a way to just think about these investment factors. But as you talked about in your article, and I think we'll get into, um, you know, momentum's not as easy to do because there's always sort of stocks in the market that are changing in terms of leadership and momentum will tend to bring you um, into those into those stocks. And so over time you have this sort of jockeying of you know what's doing well in the market. And we'll kind of get into this in a little bit more, but um, I know what we want to do, and we've talked about the momentum factor and different ways to measure momentum in past podcasts, but maybe just as a refresher, Jack, if you wanna talk about the various ways that momentum can be defined, and then also maybe some of the ideas around why momentum works as a factor.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's important to understand what momentum is, because it gets at the whole thing you've been talking about, which is why momentum changes over time, unlike the other factors, which may be fairly consistent in the types of stocks they pick, why momentum can be anything. And, you know, what momentum is at, at, at its most basic level is investing in stocks that have gone up in the intermediate term. Um, and there, are, there are two types of momentum, and just so we cover that, there's two types. Time series is basically using comparing an asset to itself. So trend following is a great example of time series momentum. All I need is the price of that specific asset. I don't need to compare it to anything else. Cross-sectional, which is what we're going to talk about here, is comparing one asset to another asset. Um, So, you know, which asset has gone up the most in the intermediate term, that would be the one that has the most momentum. And, you know, there's a couple of different measures. You know, relative strength is a popular one. But what we talk about when we talk about momentum is what's called 12 minus 1 momentum, which is essentially the one year return of the asset, excluding the most recent month, because the most recent month tends to mean revert. So that's when we talk about intermediate term momentum. When we're we're talking about momentum strategies for stock selection, we're typically talking about this 12 minus 1 momentum and the stocks that have gone up the most in the intermediate term. One of the tough things with the momentum sometimes, too, is that it doesn't matter, you know, it can bring you into
0: companies that may not be doing well at all fundamentally, but there's just something in the market that's driving them higher. Um, You know, it doesn't really care if stocks are cheap, if they're expensive, um, if they're high quality. Momentum is just going to bring you into, um, if you're using the, um, like, relative momentum, like relative strength or 12 minus one, it's going to bring you into those positions, those stocks that are um uh doing the doing the best but i know one of the things that you pointed out in the article and i think this is this is an important thing to for investors to understand is that momentum doesn't always equate to growth and i think you know where we are today and where where the market's been in the past really 10 years with these large cap um technology and growth names basically being some of the best performers i think that oftentimes investors um, relate momentum to growth stocks, but it, it's not always the case, as you pointed out in the article.
1: Well, yeah, to, to take a step back to the first point you just made, you know, if, if I'm investing in something like value, I have a pretty good idea the type of companies I'm going to get, and it also makes sense to most most investors. You know, if, if I'm going to buy a company, I want to pay less for each dollar of earnings I get. But the same thing with quality, you know, with all those other factors, I have a pretty good idea of the type of company. I can sort of see it in my eye, you know, in my brain, the type of company I'm going to get when I invest with those factors. With momentum, it completely changes all the time. And so it makes it very hard for investors to follow the, it's a more difficult factor to follow because you're asking investors to buy companies for no reason other than the fact that it's gone up. And like you said, I mean, those could be low quality companies. They could be high quality companies. They could be growth companies. They could be anything. But what we're saying to you when you're following momentum is all you should care about is that the stock price has gone up and you shouldn't care why. And so that can be a challenge. But to get back to your point about growth, you know, there's this when we think about in our minds about the stocks that have gone up the most we tend to think about growth type companies you know we tend to look at the facebooks and the amazons and the netflix of the world and think oh those those are momentum stocks because they've gone up a lot but this is just one particular period we've gone through where growth and momentum were fairly aligned, at least overall, but that, that's not the way it works over the long term. I mean, momentum is a lot of different things. There's been long periods where value outperformed. There's been periods where high quality companies outperform. And so momentum is whatever those things are at any given time. And so what I did in the article is I wanted to look at this period and say, even though growth has dominated in this period, what is the sort of relationship between the big growth companies of this last decade and momentum? Because if if growth and momentum were completely aligned, what you would see is these fang type stocks, which are some of the best performers in the market, they would have been in a momentum portfolio a lot of the time. And so what I did is I said, let's let's take the top 10% of our database with the most momentum. So we cover, you know, our our investable universe is about 2,800 companies. I said, let's take the top 280 companies and let's see over the past decade, how often the fang stocks were in that top 10% based on momentum. And what what I found is Facebook was in 14% of the time, Netflix, 44% of the time, Amazon, 21% of the time, Apple, 16% of the time, Google, 3.6% of the time. So even in a period that was dominated by growth, a lot of the growth leaders were not necessarily in these momentum portfolios fairly frequently.
0: Yeah. And I think you, you kind of pointed out there's two reasons for that one is because there's tons of stocks in the market. So even though we know that these companies were really strong performers, there was plenty of other stocks, like 260 some odd other stocks that were also doing really well at any point in time. And then the other reason is, you know, momentum works over intermediate term periods of time. It's a lot of these companies had great long-term performance over the complete cycle, but they went through these periods where maybe momentum wasn't as strong and you know that would have been another reason that you know it's reflected that these aren't in a momentum portfolio, you know more often.
1: Right. There's a, there's a big difference between long-term momentum and inter- intermediate-term momentum. And just because you end up having long-term momentum at the end of a long period, it doesn't mean that in the middle you had intermediate-term momentum consistently throughout it. I mean, your, your return profile could have looked a lot of different ways and. So like you said, there, there's two things going on. One is there's obviously a lot of stocks. And so, you know, even being in the top 10%, you know, it's difficult to do. And these companies weren't in there all the time. But also they, they did very well over a long period. And, you know, long term momentum tends to be mean reverting. So you don't want to buy the stocks typically that are up over the most you know, recent three years. Although that strategy probably worked fairly well during this period because a lot of the same, you know, we had a growth dominated market. So a lot of the same stocks kept doing well over the long term, that's not what you want to do. Over the long term, you want to focus on sort of this one year period. And you know, over, over one year periods, you only would have been buying these market leaders a, a small percentage of the time.
0: Yeah, so that's interesting. I was gonna, before we go on to the next um, analysis you did, you know, I was kind of thinking like, I do think these high growth companies, maybe I'm contradicting what we're saying here, but maybe not, but like these high growth companies that, are, you know, really stellar growers that are growing earnings 40, 50, 60%. I mean, there's not many of them that can do that and sustain that type of growth over time. But if you really think of companies that are, you know, have very strong long-term growth rates and the market's rewarding them, momentum um, momentum will sort of get you into those stocks in a disciplined, systematic way Um, but like we just said, and like you, I think the point is, is that, you know, you might have a a company with a 10 year average growth rate of something like, I don't know, maybe let's say 40 or 50% earnings growth. That would be very high, but there certainly are companies out there that have that, but you know, maybe within that 10 years you had one year where earnings, you know, didn't grow as much. And so the stock didn't perform as well. And so a momentum model might not bring you into that company, even though it has, you know, a really, really strong long term growth rate. But as the market rewards that stock again in the future, then maybe that stock pops um, back in. Um, And just one other thing that popped in my mind as we're sort of talking about this is, you know, when you think about what the S&P 500 is, given that it's a market cap weighted index, it effectively is a um, index or portfolio that's rewarding the largest best, better performing securities of those 500 stocks because as those companies do good and those stocks go up um they become a higher weight in the index and so you know it's, it, the, the s p 500 is effectively like a large cap momentum tilted strategy
1: it's effectively a bad form of momentum because if you think about it, what is it? It's, we talked about how long-term momentum doesn't really work. What is the what is it? It's, an, it's a long-term momentum strategy because the more you keep going up and up the more your weight becomes in the portfolio and it doesn't, you know, we, we don't think about like an intermediate term with the S&P 500, you know, when Amazon get, goes up, you know, stops going up over one year periods, it doesn't get reduced in the S&P 500, you know, it's, so it, it's, it ends up being a bad implementation of momentum, a market cap weighting strategy. It's, you know, there, if you're going to follow momentum, there's a better way to do it using this intermediate term thing. And that, that's one of the reasons a lot of people are, are not in favor of sort of market cap weighted strategies. The, the, the only thing I would sort of say to that in terms of a little pushback is, you know,
0: there's a handful of stocks that drive most of the returns. So probably collectively, you're right. That long-term momentum sort of factor, if that were to exist, maybe wouldn't be good. But in the context of like something like the S&P 500, you know, it's going to guarantee that you're going to be in the Netflix or you're going to be in the Tesla. Well, not Tesla, because Tesla is just added to the S&P. So maybe not, but you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like if there's a handful of stocks driving a lot of the returns, what that, what that market cap weighted indice gets you is.
1: You're going to be in those stocks and um, not out of them. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I mean, I'm a big fan of mark, you know, of indexing. So I'm not going to argue against indexing. I think for most people, you know, that that's probably the way to go. The one, the one pushback I would have on that is, you know, when you do, when these companies do get really, really large. Um, you know, their returns tend to deteriorate a lot. And so you may not want, you know, you do get in the big winners, but eventually the big winners aren't the big winners anymore. And, you know, that's what you see in the data. You see sort of that top 10 highest market cap weighted, you know, stocks within the S&P 500. That changes a lot from decade to decade because eventually they run out of fuel and eventually somebody else comes up from behind. But unfortunately, when they run out of fuel, you have a very overweight position in them because they, you know, they were the largest from a market cap perspective.
0: Yep, good point, that is a uh, very good point. Um, okay, so the next thing that you, you did is, I think you were trying to look at the changing nature of momentum in its relationship to other factors in the market. So I'm gonna let you talk about this, but you basically had value quality and low vol, and then you looked from March of last year to March of this year, and how many value stocks, quality stocks, or low volatility stocks would have been in the top decile of uh, using momentum. And you actually found quite a bit of variation between those two periods.
1: Yeah, so this gets back to the idea that all Momentum cares about is what's going up. So if we take a step a year back to the uh, 326, 2020, which is around the market bottom, you know, what were the stocks that were doing really well? What were the stocks that were up in the intermediate term? Well, low volatility was doing exceptionally well, you know, value was doing very poorly. So w- when you look in a momentum portfolio, what you should see then is you know probably not that much exposure to value. You'd probably see a lot more exposure to something like low volatility, and that's what we see. So looking back at three twenty six two thousand twenty, if I look at the top percent ten percent of momentum stocks in our database, they had you know, and these scores are all with ninety nine being the highest and one being the lowest. We had a twenty nine exposure to value, a forty exposure to quality, and a forty exposure to low volatility. So we had a lot more exposure. To low volatility. Now, fast forward to 326 of this year, after we've had this, this big run in small stocks, this big run in value stocks, well, what does that look like now? So now it is, the, the exposure to value has risen to 35, and the, the exposure to low volatility has plummeted from 40 to 22, so it's almost half. And you know, the reason is these low volatility stocks have just gotten killed in the past year. You know, they had a really, really great long run, but in the past year, I don't know if you've looked at any like, of the low volatility models, but the, the performance is just terrible. Um, so what you've seen is momentum is just saying, what's up in the intermediate term? Let me go towards that. And, and that, that's basically what happens. So you're, you're going to see a continued, if, if what goes on, what has gone on continues, you're going to see a continued increase in the exposure to things like value and small cap and things like that. And you're going to see a decreased exposure to large cap and low volatility as momentum does what it does, which is switch you know, based on what market leadership is at the given time.
0: I think this might be like a very hard factor if you're trying to implement this sort of on your own, maybe as an individual investor without really understanding, because think about it, a year ago, this thing would have been loaded up on large cap tech, basically. Fast forward to today, and you're gonna have energy, cyclicals, and you know, sort of the low quality stuff that's reverted. And so as you're making changes to your portfolio, you know, you're going to be questioning like, what the what the hell is going on here? Why why are these stocks getting in? It's going to be like, and like we talked about, it's a disconnect, or it could be a disconnect from the fundamentals. And I think for some investors, that's sort of a difficult thing to wrap their um, wrap their arms around. Um, before we get to maybe the conclusion here, I want to go back to one thing that we asked at the beginning that we didn't answer, which is, you know, why does momentum, or what are some of the theories as to why? Momentum actually works as a factor, um, so if you want to take a shot at that, go ahead.
1: Yeah, the, the simplest reason is that people tend to underestimate good news in the intermediate term. So if if, if companies are ha- if good things are happening for companies, obviously the stocks go up because they have momentum. But it actually the situation tends to be even better than investors think over the intermediate term, and so people underestimate that. And the the stocks end up doing even better than people expected. And you get that little boost. And so that's basically the main, there's some other reasons we could talk about, but that's the main reason why people think momentum works.
0: I'll let you kind of wrap up the conclusion here, uh, but we will put a link to this in the show notes. And, um, you know, I think Jack's article was really good and has some really good sort of unique data pulled from our database that he mined. So I think you'll get uh, some value from it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in general, momentum is uh, w- along with values, probably those are probably the two best factors. They're probably the factors with the best long-term records. But the one thing you have to keep in mind with momentum is if you're a person who likes a specific type of company or a specific type of stock, then momentum is probably not for you because momentum is going to be growth stocks. At one point, it's going to be low quality, small cap stocks. At another point, it's going to be high quality stocks. So if, if you like to look at the names in your portfolio and say, you know, here's a fundamental reason why I own this stock, you're, you're probably not a great fit for momentum just because it's going to be changing so much over time. Yeah, all good points. Okay, guys, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you.
0: Hi, guys, this is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at @practicalquant and follow me on Twitter at, at JJ Carbono. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.